Every day, we get what's supposed to be the news from the mainstream media. With little thought or logical discussion, we believe everything we hear. We're not allowed to disagree or have an adult conversation about the issues. Believe the news or be canceled. We're here to disrupt that idea. Changing the narrative with your host, Cecil Grant Jr. provides the views of an ordinary man on a variety of topics. As a black conservative, he adds entertaining, deep, and profound analysis that should cause you to think about things differently. He's not here to change your mind. He just wants you to think for yourself. And now, here's the host of Changing the Narrative, Cecil Grant Jr. Welcome back to Changing the Narrative with Cecil Grant Jr. Thank you for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the last two episodes we did as it relates to the relevance of service academies. It's a it's a huge topic. You know, I shared with you in the last episode just some feedback I received from other graduates, their thoughts, their opinions on the subject matter. I've talked to people offline as, as regarding that topic as well. Plan to speak to somebody here in the next couple of days about that. Same, you know, just the academy in general. And and you would say, well, I don't really care about that. If you're a grad, like I said in uh, my previous episodes, or even a tax-paying civilian, you should be concerned. You should be interested because your tax dollars are going to this. And you need to be aware of and know where your money is going and what it is being used for. And again, this, in my opinion, this school needs to remain an elite military institution. It cannot be watered down to where it's just another university out there. If it becomes just another university, then I personally believe that the funding provided by of, of somewhere in the, in the area of $400,000 per cadet to go there for free and, and with a guaranteed job when they graduate needs to be addressed. So that's, that's how that goes. I also want to let you know that talking about the academy and issues or whatever is, is just going to be something that I throw in from time to time. It's not going to be like every week we're going to talk about the academies. But again, it is an important issue. It is an important topic. And again, my focus is that if it, if, if it can't remain an elite military institution, then things need to be funding needs to be changed. That's it. So today I'm bringing up, as I said last week, I would my a discussion about the United States Air Force Academy and their way of life committee and some of the issues that I have with this committee. Now, I don't want to be super negative about the committee and, and, and just be negative about their mission, what their goals are, et cetera, et cetera. But I do have some, some, some thoughts about the way of life committee that I want to share with you based on some research and information that I have. So put your seatbelt on, get ready for the ride. So some would say, well, what is the Air Force Academy Way of Life Committee? If you go to their website, 
the Air Force Academy Way of Life Committee is the largest mission affinity club open to all cadets with over 200 members, much similar to black student unions at other college and university institutions. It is dedicated to promoting and preserving cultural consciousness, excellence, integrity, and service. Way of Life Committee sponsors activities open to the entire cadet wing throughout the academic year to encourage professional, academic, and social engagement. Members are also represent the academy at national professional conferences and local community service activities. It, you know that, and there's more that's there, but I'm not going to read every single thing. If you are interested, go to their website and and you can read other stuff but it basically says the same stuff i i'm anyway that's that's what they do the current president is lloyd bradley and there are a lot of good things that they do in my opinion you know it's a useful a useful organization and and i i say that based on some of the things that they currently are doing with a minority and you know i i have i've made it very very clear that my upbringing as a black man was different from a lot of other minority students i i went to school and i thought about this the other day while i was preparing for this all of the the majority of the hell all of the schools that I went to were were predominantly white schools. Starting in kindergarten in Germany, um, going to we moved to Virginia. The school I went there predominantly white kids. There were black kids. There were black kids there, but predominantly white. From there, went to Maryland. Middle school was predominantly white. I mean, elementary school there was predominantly white. The middle school. I feel like it was predominantly white as well, but there were, there was more black students there and I had more opportunity to interact with black students. And I would tell you that in sixth grade, Cecil Grant was a nerd. Cecil Grant had birth control glasses. I, I was thin, you know, I, I, I looked, I was a nerd. And so I, I really didn't fit in with the, the cool cats. So I, I do recall at lunch sitting with a bunch of white kids and I don't want to say we were outcasts, but we were we were the we were the nerds. And I did have somebody that that attempted to pick on me and I may have indicated that I'm not that I'm not that one. I'm not and he learned that quickly. Well not quickly. And when I say I'm not the one, basically I mean is you can push me and I'll let it go because I'm a nice guy. But you can only push me a few more times. And there will be that one time you push, I'm going to push back. And you're not going to like it. And this kid uh, would randomly just knock my books out of my hands. Again, being the nerd that I was, I had all my books carrying them. He would just come from out of nowhere and God, knock me. And, and only me. And finally, I had had enough. And I spotted him and I stalked him. And he was carrying a bunch of books and I, his books went flying. He never bothered me again. 
Anywho. So, and then we moved from uh, Maryland to uh, Maine. <laughs> no black people up there. I mean, I was like in my middle school, I was there. I think I might have been one of four black students in the entire school. And then from there, I went to a private high school, both in Bangor, Maine. And then we moved to uh, upstate New York, where I graduated from high school. And again, I'm in a high school of 400 students. I'm maybe one of six black students there. When I graduated, one of those black students was my sister. So, <laughs> you know, that's me. Now, on the other hand, there are a lot of black students at the who go to the academy who went to predominantly black schools, lived in predominantly black neighborhoods. Their encounters or interaction with white people was very limited. So when they got to the academy and you see 80 to 90 percent of the people there are white, it can be a shock to your system. And whereas it was no issue with me, for somebody else it might be. So a committee like this offers kind of a place where you can go and say, whew, what are you experiencing? This is weird, you know, whatever, whatever. And I was, I'm saying it as if I never attended any of these meetings because I never did. And I don't, I, my, <clears throat> my initial belief is that nobody ever invited me to one of these meetings, but I can't verify that. It's, it, it's possible I was invited and because I wasn't, you know, academically uh, astute in the way the academy was constructed at the time we were there, I had to work. I need. I was playing football. I, you know, the homework piled up. I had time to go to some meeting to some group. I, I had enough going on. So I, <clears throat> if I was invited, I probably didn't go. So I'm not going to say nobody ever invited me. Maybe I got invited and I just didn't go whatever but there's a lot more to go to that story and so i think it is it, it serves a, you kind of get an immediate network a group of friends a group of people that you have some commonality with and you know you you can go from there so i, I feel it's a useful organization in 2020 the organization had a town hall meeting where they discussed a lot of top uh, some of the topics i I didn't agree with or have common dis, you know, feelings like that they had. But again, that's part of life. We, we don't all have to agree to work together. We have, and that's problem with the country. We have lost the art of negotiating, of dealing, of compromise. It's my way or no way. My way is right and your way is wrong. And, and we ended at that. And that's, that's not right. And so if I had to say, I would say the, the organization has some, some, some good benefits that they provide. And like I said, even though I disagreed with some of the things they talked about, there was some that I did, that I, that I did agree with. And one that they talked about, one of the things they mentioned was sponsorship for cadets, uh, freshman cadets, sponsors or mentors throughout your four years at the academy that perhaps the cadet a brand new cadet freshman should have an officer that they meet with and maybe even add to that a senior cadet and a sophomore cadet or however you would want to construct it this part of it is kind of just my rambling on how i think it you know might work but there there it's there's other ways it could work as well 
I, I personally believe that race should not determine who your mentor slash sponsor is. And I say that because if you you want to have these conversations, you want to understand each other, you can't you a white officer is not going to understand a black cadet's goals, struggles, etc. If 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 I don't work with you, if you're not the person I'm talking to, and, and we can work together, and I can guide you, in the same way, a, a, a black officer needs to work with a white cadet. Now, I'm not saying that you make that happen, but it can. You just select a name. Here, here's your guy, and it happens he happens to be, or he or she happens to be black or white. It doesn't matter. That you're a cadet. You're a cadet first. Let me, and I, my goal is to mentor you. So I think that's that's critical. And then I think when you become a sophomore or a three degree, that you should become a mentor or a sponsor. And then and this group would lead, teach, and guide the new cadets on the ways of the academy and the Air Force how to become a leader and apply that learning to how the Air Force works, what to expect each year, how to push yourself, etc. This would be a great program at the prep school as well. And I look at this because, I mean, I went to the prep school and, and even at the academy. I mean, did I have an idea of how you could get into leadership positions at the academy? I kind of did. My belief mainly was obviously your military performance as viewed by your peers and officers was key. And then your academics probably played a role. And academically, I was I was average at the academy. And then militarily, I was teetering on I teetered on average to below average. So I knew I was. But there I think there are people who if you had a mentor that that could motivate you and say, hey, listen, this is why you should probably strive to be this or to, to achieve that. Because when you get into the Air Force, etc., none of this matters, but the lessons that you've learned will be beneficial. So, I, you know, I, I just felt like, well, I don't need to do all this. When I get in the military, I'll just, I'll figure it out. Why, why not learn while you're there? At this meeting, and it's that they had in 2020, and it was recorded, and it's on YouTube if you want to check it out. <clears throat> Again, it's the 2020 Way of Life Alumni Group Town Hall. I like the different perspectives from the different eras. They had folks from uh, class of uh, 73, 82, and 95, and then 2001. I think there was another guy on there that he didn't speak very long, but uh, he was another older grad. I say that just because of, <laughs> he looked older. I don't remember his name or the year, but he, he looked older. I thought that they provided some, some good information, you know, some good discussion. Again, there were things that I disagree with that they said, and not only what they said, but in the way they presented it. But again, that's their deal, and, and so that's how it went. So my issues that I have with the Way of Life Committee, I, I'm going to start, and I'm not going to go on and on about him again, because I've, I've done many podcast episodes about Major Daniel Walker, his, his interview with 60 Minutes, and my issues with that 
those those interviews. And I I think I have presented to you <clears throat> that I sent emails and I addressed those issues and I said, listen, if I'm wrong in what I'm saying or seeing, please let me know. I'm not the end all be all. When I do these podcasts, it's not I wish more people would would contact me in some way and say, you know what, Cecil, that's trash what you just said. Or that's absolutely incorrect. Because it can't be that everything coming out of my mouth is gospel. Can't be. It absolutely can't. So tell me if I'm wrong about Daniel Daniel Walker and what he said and how he said it and how it was presented. And tell me if I'm wrong when I when I say that, you know, how how is it that we allowed graduates of the academy who became pilots to come back to the academy and tell cadets, hey, going to pilot training, don't bother. You, you're going to wash out. Don't even bother trying to get jets. And if you wash out, they're probably going to kick you out of the Air Force. So at the end of the day, just don't go. How do we let that happen? And I got, I sent emails to the Way of Life Committee. They did not respond. I sent an email to the superintendent. He responded, but it was that that kind of a political no answer. You know, there was words on the paper, but they didn't really say anything. I sent another email to the superintendent and I copied the Way of Life Committee. I got a response back from the superintendent. Again, words on a page that said nothing, no communication, no nothing from the Way of Life Committee to respond to anything that I said, which leads me to believe that as long as you think the way we think, we'll talk to you. The minute you show that you disagree with our philosophy, our black American narrative, we don't want to talk to you anymore. We don't want to talk to you at all. And I used to get emails from the way of life committee and, and I, they used they i don't know if they still do it um, but they would produce these uh, videos that were titled prolific figures and they would there would be a guy who would interview a black graduates who had went on to have successful military careers or military civilian careers and they, i found them to be interesting they I, I you know they were reflective and they were very interesting and they were able to get people from different, you know, eras somewhat. And then you would get emails about upcoming events or fundraisers or whatever. And then it seems like the last communication I got from them was a June 2021 newsletter talking about mainly about graduation. And I have not received anything from them since. And I find that curious. Either the or either the organization has shut down or I was taken off their email list. I don't know. But either way, you know, and, and, and you could go back to the superintendent. All he had to do was say, hey, president of the Way of Life Committee, could you just get back with uh, Mr. Grant and respond to his email in some manner? And it could have been a bunch of words on a paper that didn't mean anything, similar to the emails you sent me, uh, Superintendent uh, Clark. But <clears throat> I got nothing from them. Even if they sent an email that would have said, "Hey, we'll look into this. Thanks for your <laughs> thanks for your insight. Whatever." I got nothing. I find that disturbing. Again, I've said that. And so, 
we, we get even deeper into the issues that I have with the Way of Life Committee. And then I told you that the last communication I got from them was the June 2021 newsletter. It talked about the graduation and it had a lot of stuff about, you know, rates and how many blacks and Hispanics and blah, blah, blah graduated. And it showed some highlights of, you know, some things that other, you know, graduates had done or were doing. And just, you know, a newsletter. It was titled the Monthly Newsletter. Issue six, Way of Life Alumni Group. And they spotlighted a cadet at the time. She was a cadet first class, Alicia Alexander. Very accomplished. Out of, out of the academy, was went to med school. Very, I mean, extremely impressive. I, I mean, that's, that's hard. It's hard to do. And so for her to do that is, is impressive. And she, she thanks the way of life committee for being instrumental in helping with that, with the, with, with a lot of stuff. And I wish we, some of the stuff she talks about, I wish we'd have had when we were there as far as mentors, people helping her as far as application to med school, you know, probably helped her as far as, you know, all of that stuff. They helped her with finances. You know, she says in her, in the email, in the, newsletter she mentions how way of life mentors not only carried her through her medical school application process but also aided her in making smart financial decisions i could have used somebody like that when i was at the academy i wanted to go to law school out of the academy there was i there was no i mean even i think even at the time if you and somebody might look at listen to this and go what are you stupid cecil Maybe I didn't know what a mentor was. I didn't know what, you know, what that was supposed to be. So, you know, to, to have an organization that provides mentors is, is good. Somebody who can sit down and say, Hey, listen, you get money. Let's, let's make sure we have a plan for when you graduate about how you're going to, your finances are going to work. Cause I, I didn't know I, it was, I, I didn't work when I was in high school. I, I never had a job in high school. I never worked, worked. I, I didn't need a lot of money. My parents gave me, you know, a couple bucks every, you know, every now and again, if I was going somewhere or whatever. But other than that, I, I didn't work. So I, money was money. I need to save money and that's it. So, so something like that is good and would have been good for me. What I don't like, and to me, this has to deal with not just Lieutenant Alexander, but I have to believe that it also has to do something with the way of life committee and the way they talk to people and the mission and the words that they share with people. And I'm going to share with you some words that I think are just, if this is, if this is how, if this is what you're telling these future officers, no wonder we have issues. No wonder issues are perceived. Maybe they're not even really there, but it's a negative mindset that we have to let go of. We have to. And and again, this is a this is a lady who graduated in 2021, not 1921. I mean, I, I, I look I looked at Cadet Henry Flipper, first first black guy to gra- first black to graduate from West Point in 1877. And the 
the thing that stands out is that four years as a cadet were characterized by above average grades earned in an environment of almost total social isolation from his classmates. He didn't have a mentor. He didn't have people helping him out, people guiding him. Total social isolation. You didn't have that. But all you can talk about 2021 graduate in this article at the end, she says, which here, here, she says, I feel that I do not know how to, I feel that I do not know how to properly define my identity in a profession that didn't consider me or those that look like me when it was founded. I feel that I do not know how to properly define my identity. I don't even know what that means. I'm what? In a profession that didn't consider me. Now, when she's, I think she's talking about as a black woman. You don't know how to define your identity. Defend, properly defend. I'm sorry. I can't see. I feel that I do not know how to properly defend my identity in a profession that didn't consider me or those that look like me when it was founded. And the very first time I read that, I asked myself, why'd you go there? Why didn't you go? Why'd you go here? Why did you come here? I, you know, I, 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 maybe I'm making a big deal of this. And again, like I said, everything I say is not the end all be all. It's not perfect. It's just my opinion. It's just the, the thoughts that come immediately upon reading stuff like this. But this, this school gave you every opportunity and you took advantage of every opportunity given to you. You went straight to med school out of the academy and you, you feel that you do not know how to properly defend your identity. I'm, I'm, I don't know. It's over my head and maybe it shouldn't be, but it is. And such is life. The other and other issue that I want to talk about that I have, and I want you to understand I'm not picking on anybody, but I selected <clears throat> Kate Smith class of 82 graduate because she and I were there around the same time. Obviously her class, when I was a freshman, she was a sophomore, her class trained our class in 83, 82. Not to say that, you know, our experience should have been the same or were the same. I'm not saying that. All I'm saying is we were there during the same during the same period of time. She graduated a year before me. And and I'm just going to share with you two things that she said that that I have issue with. And and here's why I have issue with them. Because there's no context given to them. 
And I'm going to let her say it. I'm going to record her words so you hear her say it, not me interpreting it. She's going to say them. And and I, I just, 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 I hear them and I think, what the, what are you talking about? What? Let me get the words of Kate Smith. The first one deals with police issues in the in the, again in the 2020 Way of Life Alumni Group Town Hall meeting, which is on YouTube. The moderator starts off with her, and they they obviously they're bemoaning the 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 events of 2020, George Floyd, blah blah blah, and the anger and police and this and that and the other. And then he goes to her, and she begins to talk about the you know police. And she says some things, again, like I said, and I'll let you, her say them in her own words, and then I'll come back and kind of talk about what I think is wrong with what she said. And we'll go from there. And I'm still waiting for our country to live up to its promise. And so we are not free until all of us are free. And so every time I see police brutality on our streets, I sigh and I'm thankful that it didn't happen to me. I don't know another person, uh, black person, who hasn't had an encounter with the police where you feared for your life. 30 plus years ago, I was stopped by the police. They drew their weapons. And all I had done was live in my condominium all black and my neighbor had called the police on me. So that's Kate Smith, her words. And let me let me just kind of dive into some of that. Two points. One, she, and I had to listen to it again because she kind of, anyway, she says she has never encountered, she doesn't, she doesn't know a black person who has been stopped by the police and didn't fear for their life. Who do you know? Who do you hang around with? And I've talked to people about this before and my wife gets mad because I always can, can come up with another story. She's like, oh my God. I mean, Cecil Grant has been stopped by the police. I can promise you that more times than I probably need to discuss for multiple reasons, all kinds of reasons. And I've on previous episodes have just gone into detail on some of the reasons I've been stopped, when, where, the scenarios. And after I heard this and I was talking to my wife about it, I said that going back to the first times I was stopped as a pol- by the police as a cadet and as an officer and even after I got out of the Air Force and I haven't been stopped by the police lately but in my youth in the in the in the 80s Cecil Grant was a weightlifter Cecil Grant played football Cecil Grant was big a big kid a big man a big kind of an intimidating look to me and I've had other people tell me that and I and and I didn't realize that 
and Cecil Grant got stopped by the police day, night, in the South, in Biloxi, Mississippi. I never got stopped there, but that that's that's the next part. But I got stopped in the South. We, you know, we lived in Augusta, Georgia. I got stopped there. We've lived in Florida. I've been stopped there. I used to have to do business in South Carolina. I got stopped there. Not in Florida. I've been stopped here where I live. And not one time, not one time has, have I been handcuffed? Have I been booked? And has anybody ever pulled a gun on me and there was one time where <laughs> I mean full disclosure I'm just being honest with you I, w- I was leaving work I was a restaurant manager at the time I'd had a couple of drinks one of the cooks needed a ride home he didn't live in a really good part of town at the time the car I was driving was kind of crappy I'm taking him home it's raining I don't know if we were going, to, I don't know if I was speeding or I don't know, but they, 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 we, you know, next thing you know, lights in the window, cop pulls over. Again, I admit I had been drinking. I wasn't drunk, but I'd had, I'd had a beer or two. The cop pulls us over, blah, 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 blah slow down. Okay. And then he said, do you have any guns, bombs, or weapons in your car? And the, 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 the way he asked that, it just seemed funny to me. And I almost started laughing. And thankfully I didn't. I don't know that it would have amounted to anything, but, you know, we laughed. But those are, that's the example of what I, I've been, I've been stopped. I'm a black man. If you know me, you know I'm black. And <laughs> you had the police pull their weapons on you? Now, the other part of the story that I have an issue with is that it lacks detail. Where were you? And again, I picked her because she graduated in 82. So 30 years ago, 30 years from 2020. So according to the, if you do the, uh, she was somewhere in 1990, this occurred. Where? Where were you? That's all I want to know. Where were you? Again, I alluded to Biloxi, Mississippi, where I went to tech school in 1983. I used to go running with a white girl who was in my class. The majority of the people in my class were white. We used to all hang out, do stuff. My apartment complex, white people mainly. There was no black people there, hardly. I never got pulled over, got stopped, never, never. But in my story, if I tell you that story, you say, wow. But I've given you context. I gave you the year, 1983. I've given you where I was at, Biloxi, Mississippi, where I lived, what some things I did. And, and that I'd never been pulled over by the police. And I used to go out by myself. 
and the girl that he used to run run with, we would run. We used to get in the car and drive to, to New Orleans together. But her story is very, there's no context. There's no details. Where were you 30 years ago? You got to do the math, 1990. You, 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 you came home. Did you just move there? Had you just moved in? What? <laughs> I mean, you always hear these stories and, and not, you know, mostly on television, but you always hear these stories of, the, you know, there's that one nosy neighbor always sitting by the window, you know, looking around. They see something they think looks crazy and they call the cops. And so maybe that in her condominium or whatever, there, there was that one crazy nosy neighbor. And, but, but again, had you, how long had you lived there? You lived there for a year, two years where they knew, did you know who they were? But was there, was there some kind of, was there, what was the, there's no, to me, the lack of detail. Is, the, is is lacks from the story. And I, I was thinking about this yesterday. I said, you want to tell a story like that? Do it as if, you know, the, the old 30-second interview in an elevator. You got 30 seconds to tell me why I should hire you. You got 30 seconds to tell me this story and and make me believe it. And I say that not in the, not because I don't think it happened. If she says it happened, I wasn't there. She says it happened, it happened. I I'm just saying it lacks context. It lacks meat. It lacks something to latch on to. I'm, I, you, so you were coming home from work, party, club, vacation, and you came into your condo. Somebody saw you. Were you unloading bags, doing whatever? Maybe they thought you were stealing. I don't know. So they called the cops, and while you were doing whatever you were doing, the cops came, or what? And they saw you, and they pulled out their guns. <laughs> what kind? Of, where were you? And I'm again. I'm not saying it isn't true. If you say that happened, it did. But I want context so I can so that I can wrap my head around and go, wow, that's messed up. And then we can talk about was it based on racism. Well, maybe the, to me there's so much, but you throw out this story and you let it sit. And and yeah, yeah, see, and everybody just believes it. And I I have a problem with that. Her second story relates to getting a haircut, and again. In some regards, it lacks context. Miss Smith was a me- member of the class of 82, which was a third class with women. She randomly, in this discussion, throws in the fact that she couldn't swim. That some of the times at the academy were rough. <clears throat> sometimes she was on Dean's list, sometimes she wasn't. And she gives a an account of her hair and a haircut. You know, one of the things that still is with me today, 40 years after it happened, was uh, I came to to the academy, I got my hair cut very short to be within Rex. And throughout 
2005, second BCT, it was probably out of regs, so they took me to the cadet beauty, beauty shop, and they had someone to cut my hair that had never cut a black person's hair before. It was the only time at the academy that I wanted to cry, and there's no crying at the academy. So I waited till I got back to my room, closed the door, and had a good cry. And, and that's a small, small segment of how do you welcome a person that looks like me into your Air Force when you don't sell hair products for my hair? You don't have people to tend to my Air Force trying to be in, in regulation. So she goes on about some other stuff that, that that I have thoughts about. But she talks about this hair, and <clears throat> I don't, again, in the context. She says she got her hair cut short. Now, the way, the way she says that gives me the impression that she got a haircut before she came to the academy. That she did some research that, hey, I got to get my hair cut. I'm going to go to my people, get them to cut my hair, and I'll be good. And she did that, and they probably got she got there, and they're like, "Good, we don't have to cut her hair." And she went and d- did her business. <clears throat> and then she said, as we were getting close to second BCT, now for those of you who are not academy literate, that is the second part of your basic cadet training, which is out in in what is named Jack's Valley. It's a, it's a you're camping, you're out in the woods, you sleep in a tent, you you, you take a bath rarely. You, you go to the bathroom collectively. It's it's a disgusting situation, but it's it's part of the training that we went through at the time. And so I but but the way she describes it, she says she went back to her room. So I'm thinking maybe it's the week before they went out to Jack's Valley. It was determined her hair was too long or whatever out of rags. They took her to get her hair cut. Now here's 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 my thoughts on that. Who cares? You're getting ready to go out into Jack's Valley or you're already out there. You're sweaty, dirty. You Again, as I stated, you barely take a bath. Who wants to get naked? You're out in the dirt. As soon as you bathe, you start to sweat. Then you're going to go on a run. Nobody's clean. No. Who cares? Nobody cares about what your hair looks like. Had it been two weeks before graduation, that would have been a problem. And I could I can understand that. However, again, as I stated, she was part of the third class of women at the Air Force Academy. And this is not a unique problem to black women. Black men had the same problem and men have been going to the academy forever. And I wish I could I should have looked up the year that the first uh, set of a group of black men you know, came. But black men had been there for a long time and we still had an issue of finding a having a barber at the academy who could cut black black men's hair you're a part of the third class we still didn't we still couldn't find black hair care products for black men but a part of that one is supply and demand if i'm running a base commissary bx whatever i'm going to supply what the majority of the people are buying i can't have a whole section of black hair care products for for 100 cadets and at the time if it if, if, if it's you know I, I can't 
because of the hundred cadets half of you are buying stuff downtown the other part of you are getting stuff from home you know having your parents mail it to you or whatever or you're sharing it with your friends <clears throat> I got a stock of stuff and nobody's buying it but the minute I don't have it you want it it's supply and demand it's the way things work and it probably is the same way with the barber they probably had a black a black hair care person for black women how I, again you're the third class of women and I don't know the exact numbers I'm just spitballing but let's say in total there's a hundred women between the three classes and of the hundred women again spitballing I don't know let's say there's 40 black women and of the 40 black women let's say 10 of them do their own hair they're not, they mom sends them stuff or dad or whoever and they hook up with Mary Sue or whoever their best friend they do that they do each other's hair they do their own hair the other 10 go downtown I'm not messing with this place I'm going downtown the other 20 it's a hodgepodge they or the other 10 they you know they maybe they one time they do it downtown one time they get somebody to do it for them one time they do it themselves it, it, it's a mixed bag and the and the 10 go they get their hair done <clears throat> but as a you know as a black lady even as a black man how often are you getting a haircut You're not going every day so 10 10 of 10 to 20 of you are getting your hair done you get it done it lasts a month two months I don't know and you come back you call you make an appointment she's not there she quit <laughs> she can't get enough hours because she didn't get enough clients and she doesn't know how to do white hair it, there's so much there's so much that could go into that there was a one uh, a classmate of mine graduate she ended, she went stop out and then went into 80 class of 84 but still graduated 130 pilot I'm assuming it was a combat scenario where she was in her in the 130 long flight <clears throat> they've got a bathroom in the back unfortunately it's a urinal not real conducive to a woman and in both situations if you look at the haircut thing and you say well maybe if they had a black man or a black woman on, on the on the group that said okay we've got black women coming what needs do we need to have for them and somebody said we need to have somebody who can do hair and they got somebody to do hair when the person was there not enough business they said I'm out of here screw it I'm gone and then you're stuck you're trying to hire somebody word on the street is don't go don't take that job because there's not enough black women up there you're not gonna make any money they can't find anybody so what do we do no more black women until we find a black hairdresser no same with my friend who's a pilot so they've got men's urinals maybe somebody on the board said hey we're gonna do this we're gonna finally we're gonna let women fly in this combat scenario these long-range things gonna fly in 130s we got a bathroom in the back for them and there maybe there was a woman on the board she looked and said well that's a urinal yeah but that's all we got right now we're trying to we're trying to come up with some kind of different setup to where we could 
you know, I actually have a bathroom for, you know, that a woman could use. But until then, the only option is until we come up with an option, women don't fly. So you're qualified to fly, but we're going to let you wait five years while we, you know, the military took forever. I'm going to let you, you're going to wait, you can wait until we get a, the bathroom that you want. And then we'll, we'll, we'll then you can fly. No, nobody's doing that. And is that the best situation? No. And according to her, she did a podcast about this. They came up with a solution. It, it wasn't a great one, but it, 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 they worked on it. It was, it was, it would be, we just got you. You are the third class with women. We're, we're going to miss stuff. We're going, we're not going to be able to meet all of your needs immediately. We're going to miss stuff. Be tolerant. Have a little compassion. Have a little understanding. I, I just to make everything racist, race systemic. It's all embedded. It was on purpose. No, I, I, I can't. I can't buy that. I just can't. I've always stated in everything that I've talked about, every time I've talked about racial issues that there are racists among us if you don't believe it if you don't believe that you need to really tune in and open your eyes there are people there are racists everywhere one of the things that the way of life committee wanted was that <clears throat> they wanted people running around identifying and removing racists out of the military or having that as a measurement on their evaluation i don't know how you do that who's 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 setting the standard who's what you got the racist police. I mean, what, what are we doing here? We need more diversity in the in the in the in, in all aspects of life, but we need diversity of thought. And as I started at the begin in the early in the in the podcast, I believe that because my thinking is not along with their thinking, I was removed from their email list because I don't get anything from them anymore. Nothing. And nobody has responded to my email. And it goes to it, 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 even though when I copied General Clark on the email to the Way of Life Committee, if it was the wrong address, he should have said something. He could have said, hey, Mr. Grant, I noticed you copied the Way of Life Committee on, your, on the email to me. That's the wrong email address. Try this one. Nothing. And no response to date, no response. So diversity of thought, that's the first thing. And understand that even if you have diversity of thought, it's not perfect. We're not perfect. There have been many times I can think of where I've been in situations where you try to, you know, you, you make these grand plans, you this and that, and there's enough people and you think you've got everybody's opinion and ideas and you got all kinds of different people in the room. And then you forgot one thing. Or the thing you recommended didn't work. It happens. Just stop trying to ascribe it to racism all the time. <laughs> stop it. In my opinion, from what I heard on the on the 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 YouTube video, and from what I've read in their newsletters and kind of here in their prolific figures uh, episodes, they're all singing from the same sheet of music. 
Some sing loudly and some not so loud, but it's the same old song and dance promoting the tired old black narrative and its official stories. And it's, it's, it's annoying, it's disturbing, because I think the group is useful. I think they serve, I think it serves a purpose, and I mentioned some of that earlier as, as it relates to mentorship and sponsorship and helping you navigate some difficult things. Let me go back to that, that article, too, that, uh, from the June newsletter, because this I found even more disturbing what this uh, young Lieutenant Alexander stated. She said, Way of Life cadets are phenomenal. But it is the network that helps give them a safe space and oftentimes a safe space and oftentimes hostile. That doesn't even make sense. Wave Life Cadets are phenomenal, but it is the network that helps give them a safe space, an oftentimes hostile environment. I think it meant to say in an oftentimes hostile environment. Hostile environment? And again, you just drop that bomb. Somebody reads that and goes, wow, the Academy's a hostile environment. What do you mean by that? And then you tell a bunch of black students and they and, and the Academy's a hostile environment. You immediately think racism, you know, they're hanging nooses from your door. They're tar what do you mean when you say hostile environment? And again, this is 2021 when she graduated. It, it is not hostile environment. That was 1877 when Henry Flipper was at, the West, at West Point. That was a hostile environment. A hostile environment, which they brought up in the, in the, in the interview, was when one of the guys, and I can't remember which one of them, he, nobody wanted to room with him. This is at the Air Force Academy in the 70s, I believe it was. And the only person who would room with him in this particular squadron was Lance P. Sijon. That's a hostile environment. You didn't encounter that. Matter of fact, if you go, if you go on YouTube, you can find <laughs> you can find videos of freshmen, sophomore, senior, everybody and their brother doing YouTube videos about the day in the life of a freshman, a sophomore, a junior, a senior. Hostile environment looks like a date. It looks like a summer camp, which goes back to, are these places relevant? Am I getting my bang for my buck when I pay $400,000 for each cadet? And you got time to do a day in the life of a freshman? The day in the life of a freshman? What the? Oh my God, my blood pressure. I think that the mission of the Way of Life Committee needs to be revamped. Again, this is my personal opinion. You don't have to subscribe to that. And have a more positive focus. Because there's there are tons Tons of successful black Americans who have graduated from the Air Force Academy in, in my class, class of 83. I can think of the top of my head, Ron Graves, Chuck, Alonzo Babers. That's just the, 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 the Charles, J Chuck Jones. Tons of them. Talk about the positive. Were there struggles? Did they encounter struggles? I'm sure they did. I've talked to Chuck Harris. He's told me about some things that have gone on and that he's seen and learned and had to deal with. 
not just in the military life, but in civilian life as a, as a successful black man. Ron Graves told me some stories as well. But they're successful. Push the success. Highlight that. You don't want to talk about the success because maybe they don't buy into your narrative. Maybe. Diversity of thought is so much more important than the number of minorities that you have on a board or at a school or whatever. You can have a black woman, a black man, Hispanic man, white man, white woman. If they all think the same, if when the boss says we should jump over that hill, everybody goes, yeah. If the, the, the boss says, this place where we're at is racist. We got to fix it. Yeah. And nobody, no, no descending voice. That's a problem. There's no point in you all being different races because we all think the same. So who, what's the what's the problem? Speak. We need diversity of thought. When I know that even if our thoughts concerning a matter are different, but you will still accept and respect me, then we all can move forward. I, I truly, truly, truly appreciate you listening to Changing the Narrative with Cecil Grant Jr. Remember, I'm not trying to tell you what to think. I'm just asking you to think for yourself. Have a blessed day. Another fantastic episode in the books. If you like what you heard, subscribe to the podcast and give us a five-star rating on Apple, Spotify, Anchor, or wherever you get your podcast fix. Be sure to look for Changing the Narrative with Cecil Grant Jr. on Facebook and subscribe to our website for more content. Thanks for your support, and remember to always think for yourself.